0: Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz, check it out, do do, do, do do Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Brought to you by Library Love Fest. Hey, it's Virginia, and I'm here with Judith Kerr. The president and publisher of the Harper One Group here at HarperCollins. Hello, Judith. Hello, Virginia. How are thank you? you for having me. Oh, thank you for taking the time to talk to us about Harper One. There are so many different facets to Harper One, and I was, you know, I was thinking it'd be cool to just sit and talk a little bit about each one of the channels and sure. the imprints. Lovely to be here with you all. My sister's a
1: librarian, my niece is a librarian. I love the librarians. So, HarperOne, as you know, has been an imprint in San Francisco since 1977. And we're now turning taking that, that imprint and turning it into a group and adding Armistad, which is a principally African-American imprint that's been around since 1986. And adding to that, Via, which is a new imprint, mostly fiction and mostly in translation. That we've added and have just begun publishing into, and of course Harper Espanol, which is really a combination of HarperCollins Spanish language programs that were housed in Thomas Nelson in Nashville, and adding to it what was Reo, bringing them together to form Harper One, which is both its fiction original originally published in Spanish both of fiction and non-fiction and then also we might be doing them simultaneously in English depending on what the books are Mm -hmm. so that's a new endeavor as well and I'm really happy because these four areas the spirituality, religion, alternative thinking that Harper One in San Francisco has embodied over all these years plus with Armistad which they've kind of been really committed and focusing to building up and and nurturing and kind of publishing a wide range of subjects that are African American interest, and with books in translation and books in Spanish, because these are the things that I used to to also work on when I was when I started Atria books, which is where I came from. Um, so I'm very excited about all of that because now I can just focus on all those things and bring books and empathy into the world by publishing people's stories from all over.
0: Mm, and you have some beautiful stories. I mean, it, it's just there's such diversity in this in all of these lists. So, um, I was maybe right. you could talk a little bit about uh, a few of the recently released books. Yeah.
1: So, one one of the things that's quite interesting is that uh, at Harper 1, we've we've we're building on the DNA that already exists there to grow the business as we all want to do. Um, And so I've added to it this range called Lives That Inspire. And it's basically who has lived a life or who is living a life that embodies the principles that are expoused in the backlist and in the work that Hapa One have been doing all these years. And so the first one of those that we just published was uh, Over the Top with Jonathan Van Ness, which on the surface it may seem like the fifth guy out of the queer eye to write a book. But in actual fact, really, his book is completely different from that and we published it in a sort of a different way. And he really is talking about his HIV status and, and going around and supporting parent, Planned Parenthood because they were very supportive of him, but also trying to remove the shame associated with people who have a positive, um, a positive status with as far as HIV is concerned and therefore making it more freely discussed because one of the things that happens in darkness is things can grow um, and there's there's an incidence of AIDS is growing again for the first time in many, many years. So that's really important because he's a kind of like a fun guy, but then he has this other part of his life and he's really committed to it. So through publishing him in the Lives That Inspire, range of books it automatically signals to people there's much more to this than just a souvenir of someone's uh, you know fame yeah that, that, i
0: mean that book on um is is really so so multi-layered and so deep and he really did go there yeah. with that book I and mean, yeah. it was really he brought a lot to the table which i thought was very brave of him At, yes and he dresses spectacularly which <laughs>
1: is all i always like that um so and then um Part of the other part of that is we're looking at doing things that support people with mental health issues and and to bring some sort of kindness and kind of you know civ- civility back into the world a little bit in, and how we express that can be in anything. So we just published this book called The Boy, The Mole, The Fox and the Horse by Charlie maskey and it's a book about mental health in a way but it's beautifully drawn and illustrated and i was talking to Charlie and i was able to tell him his book was on the new york times number six miscellaneous category on wednesday or thursday i was able to tell him that he was number 20 on the usa today and fantastic friday i was able to tell him that is number nine on the fiction list on the Wall Street Journal. So it's like a fantastic week. So I'll just have to think of something great to tell him tomorrow.
0: <laughs> that is fantastic. And uh, what a beautiful book. It's and those brushstrokes. It's, it's just so gorgeous. Yeah, and
1: What's so interesting, it's very rare that you get a book that speaks to people across, across ages, across, you know, nationalities, just across. And so this book is also doing extraordinarily well in the UK and I was talking to Charlie and he told me this story which is a great embodiment I think of what he stands for. His next door neighbor in the UK is a man called Bear Grylls. Now Bear Grylls is a great big adventurer and so he and Charlie were having a conversation about what's the bravest thing you've ever done and so Bear went first and he said well the bravest thing that he had ever done was he was scaling some kind of outrageously high and sheer glacier and had to, had to unclip himself for 30 seconds and to be suspended there above the crevices, and which he did, so that was his bravest thing. And then Charlie said the bravest thing that he'd ever done was to ask for help. And then he drew this wonderful, wonderful illustration of a horse and a young boy having that conversation. And I think that that's an embodiment of what the book is, and that's the first drawing he did that where it grew out of. Hmm
0: that's beautiful yeah that's that's quite that's quite powerful and that's For only oh november yeah. so
1: oh i'm 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 very keen on having books that actually make a difference in people's lives but are fun to publish and are commercially successful because i know as, as it does everyone that the best way to have freedom editorial freedom in publishing is to be Profitable and to be successful at it and that in therein lies the freedom to do what you want Right. And that's what I've been trying to do all my career.
0: Well, it shows. I mean you've just brought such beautiful as you say There's literally something for everybody. Um, there's such a wide range of books here, and I think that they serve um, they, they, they will serve patrons well.
1: Yeah, um, and and the, the one so the other part of Harper 1 before I move off it is that, um, that we're also adding to it, instead of calling things self-improvement, we've decided that we'll recategorize things, call them self-education. So as you, what do you do with your life after you finish college or whatever is your formal education? Then what, there's the, You don't stop learning, you don't stop needing to know stuff. Then, but as you go through different phases of life, you need to know different things. And one of the projects that I've got in this part of the area is this fantastic book called Growing Old. And I'm sure some of of you listening to this will be very familiar with Elizabeth Marshall Thomas, who wrote The Hidden Life of Dogs. And so this time she's turned her anthropological skills onto herself to examine what it's like to be a woman in her 80s in America today. And it's very funny and very heartwarming and very realistic. And um, the thing is about Elizabeth on her author photograph at the back, it, she's, she's lighting her cigarette on her 88th birthday <laughs> candle. But she says she promises to give up smoking before the book comes out. <laughs> I hope she does. So doesn't. we'll see how that goes. But I also have a funny story about, about um, Elizabeth. I was speaking to Mitch Kaplan from um, Books and Books out in Miami, and he was telling me when Elizabeth was at the bookstore talking about the hidden life of dogs someone had left the back door open and halfway through in walks a stray dog which is as you know that book is about her following stray dogs for a year when they were not with people and now one of them had tracked her down in the bookstore
0: so I thought that was very humorous. So expect to have a lot of patrons anywhere Elizabeth turns up. That's a great story, and I, you know, we've been talking about that book with librarians. Who we've been presenting to libraries across the country, um, and we were recently at the New England Library Association, and I mean, it great. just really resonated with a lot of people because she, I mean, she's not sugarcoating anything, but she's also, um, I think, she's looking at it aging in such a. I don't know just yeah, to, you know as part of a natural exactly. a, a natural process yeah. and she also not to spoil the
1: ending talks in there in the back of the book about how she's made her children promise they won't spend more than $5000 on her funeral which is a very nice you know way of leaving people yeah from big responsibilities right
0: it's so practical and, yeah and, and
1: it's and it's wonderful and she's she's a very very hard worker and she did all her corrections and everything in very fast time so we're oh. thrilled so that's just it gives you an idea of some of the ways we want to think about uh, about Hapa One and also about publishing in, in general is that I've been thinking about the idea of what makes a good ancestor and how do you then take those principles of being considered a good ancestor and apply them to your publishing work? And if if storytelling is an ancestral act, then what are we putting forward that the work that we're doing now, what are we putting forward into the future's future for other people and other generations to come after us to benefit by? Mm-hmm. So in that is one of kind of the things I've been thinking about and how do we approach, say, building the Amistad list because we want to go from publishing five books a year to publishing twenty books a year. One of the things that we've now done is we've brought the Sora Neil Hurston body of work, the nine books now under the Armistad imprint. And um, on the 7th of January, we're going to give away a free digital download of their Eyes Are Watching God because to celebrate her birthday to anyone in the United States who would like it. And that way I think it's a it's a sort of a gesture and it sort of marks the beginning of this new endeavor we have with Zora to bring her and upgrade her status within the community. And we're just thinking about that today as it relates to the covers that we should put on it. So we've been researching where the idea is that we will commission nine artists of color to pick a title and do uh, the cover art, but also to ask them to do a portrait of Zora as she would have been at the age she was when she wrote that particular novel. Beautiful. As a way of putting it together and to bring into the art of bookmaking and the art of publishing other aspects that include more people in the creative process and to acknowledge those people who add to it. So that's what we're we're doing there. And we have uh, the, um, a collection of short stories from... Zora's archives that have never been published before coming mm-hmm. out at the end of January mm-hmm. it's called hitting a straight lick with a crooked stick I love that and it's a beautiful um, collection which will make people will rip re- it sort of adds a balance to her body of work which highlights the fact that she did write a lot about the North and not just, she wasn't just a southern rural writer. Right. Which I think if you just read some of her books, you might get you can that get impression. That. Right. So that's our mission there amongst other
0: th- many so other things. That's so incredibly thoughtful. I mean, you put, you put so much thought into, into, uh, into this publishing program. Well, you know, I have a
1: brooch. I have a badge and it says, thinking seemed to work for her. <laughs> so I've tried to use that as my motto. And we can talk for hours about Armistad. What we've decided to do is to also put together uh, an advertisement for the New York Times book review in the Christmas edition of all of the books that we've published in this last six months from Armistad, including Clive Ford's Think Black, including the wonderful Ben Crump's Open Season, and uh, Diamond Doris by uh, Doris Payne's Diamond Doris, which just got a fantastic review in the Times. And this big, wonderful collection of uh, 25 years of photographing prints by Randy St. Nicholas, which is extraordinary. And, and it was basically, he would just ring her up and say, come take my picture, and she would have to be there. And they were all beautifully done and captured the image of him as he always liked to appear and as he always appeared. So that, that, that as well as the paperback of Barracoon, which we spoke about Zoro before, and a couple of our other treats, including the Tina Lifford um, Inner Fitness book. What a what a collection! Yeah, so that's a nice collection. And so we're, our headline is going to be because it's also Clyde's book is Think Black. Ah, beautiful. So it's we want to really you know be staking that this is our intention. This is what we're going to do, and we have all the support for it. Yeah. So it'd be great to have really, and we're very help, we're very available to help any of the librarians who may be listening that want some. Help putting together collections, or if they would like someone to come and talk to them about it, Beautiful. or like you know just to be a place that people can go to. We're happy to
0: do that. That's wonderful, and I hope that librarians will take you up on that offer because uh, I mean we have our video studio, and we could even do you know we could do something yes, right there. Yes, yeah, no, exa- could exactly. With this and... fantastic uh,
1: selection of authors, so then that brings us, I guess, to Habavia down the road a little Mm -hmm. so Habavir is a new imprint one of the things I wanted to do was to bring more books from other cultures because linguistically speaking I'm not gifted and so I just have the one English language which is with an Australian accent because it's my homeland but I really crave finding out stories and reading stories of other people in other cultures in other lands that I may or may not ever be able to visit. So I'm the only way I can actually satisfy that urge is to actually publish them ourselves and have a whole body of work based around the idea of translation. And to that effect, one of the things that a feature of the is in the back of the books, there's a note from the translator and what it's like to actually turn one language into another and the choices that you have to make they all change the meaning of what what's going on and so it's kind of a reinterpretation in a way and to be completely faithful to the story it's an under, under acknowledged art form so we're trying to acknowledge that in the back of all of the books we've published two so far and we're about to go on sale with the third which I'd like to take a second to talk about, it, if I can. Yeah? It's called The German House, and it's Annette Hess. Now, theres it's a really wonderful addition to the, the body of work about Holocaust novels. And the thing that sets this apart for me, who has read many and for many people, is two things. One, it's set in the 60s, so it looks back towards the war when it was only 20, 25 years before, and it looks forward to the future. You cannot go forward into the future unless you look at the past but most of the books that we, we we read now when they're in dual time frames are usually the distant past. Um, so what this is, it's set during in 1962 in the trials at Frankfurt of the Auschwitz trials mm-hmm. and she, the young protagonist is uh, hired to be a translator of the eyewitnesses and and the survivors from the camps during those trials and in doing so this our our Eva her name is is in her early 20s and has known nothing of the war even though she as she was a baby towards the ends of it knew nothing of her parents participation or any of the neighbors as she lives there and she decides that as she uncovers what happened we the reader uncover it anew and she then goes back to find out what her family were doing during those times and not to no good end but what also was wonderful about it because Annette the author this is her first novel although she's successfully done two big long-form narratives for Netflix Germany and so she adds a certain pace and a sort of visual visual quality to the novel that you don't often see or read about when it's set in that time period plus if she lives in Frankfurt, as she has always done, just the way the ice crunches on the sidewalk when she walks past, or the way the the traffic goes down the boulevard, and how the doors in the courtroom slam shut, they have a kind of an authenticity that only people who are in those places regularly know that language, the language of the landscape. It's very difficult to to uh, to kind of research that, and. So that's what that and you know it's a fantastic story you'll love it and it's uh, there's something in it too that made me look at the whole thing anew and still askance I have to say and but made me understand things in a different way so I highly recommend that one mm. mm-hmm. and um, we are publishing a, a book a month in the via list and then we'll bring them out in paperback and we're trying to do things that actually like, we have a, have um, Maya Lundy's novel coming up called The End of the Ocean. We like oh, to gorgeous. call her the Margaret Atwood of climate change. <laughs> That's so perfect. And, you know, it's really basically it's what happens when the world goes dry.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and how it got to be that. So it's very, I wouldn't call it dystopian because it's real in an odd way beautifully rendered and a fantastic book and the beginning and the second book in a quartet the first one was published by another publisher we have also uh, an Iranian novel we every time we buy a novel from a different language we color in that part of the world yeah we're trying to have like a multicolored world globe by the you know in the not-too-distant future
0: I love that uh, the map that was shown at sales con- we just recently had our sales conference and the yeah. map the map that was shown and sure enough, region by region it's filling in. It's very cool. Yes, yeah,
1: so you know, we had The End of the Ocean, Maya Lundi's book, which was set in Norway, and now we're also publishing Then the Fish Swallowed Him by Amir Arian, who's a who is an Iranian and he now lives in the U.S. He's a translator for Cormac McCarthy into Farsi. So, and this is set in a. It's actually very relevant. It's set in a, a for a bus driver, an average bus driver, driving his bus in Tehran, and he joins in a pro, into a protest and and uh, uh, un- punches somebody and is arrested. And during the interrogation that he's put through, the secrets of his uh the secrets that are contained in his own. Online personality discover that he has having an affair with his best friend wife best friend's wife, mm-hmm. and then it is used against him to torture him. But what's interesting about this book is when when um, Amir came in to talk about the cover, we thought, oh well, you know, the fish that swallowed him is you know is just in the Quran. I asked whether there was any kind of illustration of that scene, and then I realized my mistake because in in um, Islamic culture that you can't have figurative representation Um, but for 200 so I said oh forgive me my mistake anyway then Amar went off and researched it and lo and behold for 200 years there you were allowed to and there happens to be this fantastic mosaic in the Metropolitan um, Museum and that's what we have on the cover
0: so it's like right so perfect what a great story that's a great behind the piece story that's a, I think that it's, yes, you know, yes. I so love that. That's, me, I like uh, the stories
1: behind the yeah, stories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So and then we and we we have books from all over. But I know that there's one that you, Virginia, particularly like, which is Almond. Uh, Perhaps you
0: could tell me about it. Well, I just love this book because it's uh, it's sort of a coming of age book, and it's about this young boy who has this. It's a real affliction where yeah. um, this part of your brain, you have these two little, I don't know, there are two parts of your brain two, that that are supposed to grow as you grow, and his don't. And so his remain the size of an almond, and that is why the book is called Almond. Yes. And what it does to him is renders him sort of um, unable to identify feelings right correct. so it's yes. so it's sort of like a lack of empathy but not but not out of ill will correct he doesn't yeah. know yeah. how to have empathy so if a friend of his falls uh, there's a scene i think where there's a little girl who falls and he just doesn't understand that you know he should feel for her or help her yeah. and and yeah. so anyway that's that's the setup as far as this character is concerned and it is his life and it is uh i just like it's and, just such a smart yeah, book, and uh, I just love it.
1: And it's also set in a bookstore, right? of in course. Korea, in Korea, yeah.
0: yeah. Oh God, so, it's so good. It's wonderful. Yeah, I love and that
1: you bought that. Thank you. And we have we have one one you know a particular book that I love is called The Yield by Tara June Winch, is mm-hmm. and an, um an Indigenous writer from Australia. And at its core, it's about her going back to the tribal lands when her father is passing. And to then to see that he is writing a dictionary about the Winjari language to keep it. Because, you know, there, are, there, conservation is not just about keeping the earth and keeping the buildings. It's also about keeping the words and keeping the languages. And so she decides ultimately to finish that work. Um, and it's just a beautiful rendition of things that we don't know much about, yeah, which I love. Yeah. And, a beautiful um, jacket too. It's a be- yes well we've got an excellent excellent art director, Stephen Breyer and we could not be his the whole idea with a book jacket in my opinion is that the, the further you go into the book and then you go back and look at the jacket, the more the jacket means, mm. which is an, right. in a, an art so yeah. and it's not just a, an advertisement it's actually an extension. Of the book, actually, the author, the illustrator who did the yield, has written a fantastic little piece about translating the lang- the language into a visual language, and so that's what we're going to be doing with some of our artists too, to bring that in, that element into I, it. I love fun.
0: that you're that you're including, uh, featuring these pieces by the translators. Yes, because yeah. I just think that that's so important, you know, and I think that you know, I think that. Um, you know, especially with with an author who you know has a you know recurring series or just you know a, a library mm-hmm. of, of backlist I mean yeah. those they stay with the same translator stay people expect that you know and people yes. you know and people understand <coughs> it and they that translator and that that author if they have that right marriage it's it's perfect yeah and it should stay.
1: And one of the things that we're doing with Hopa the idea is that we can build up our, a brand for it and so that that gives us and it becomes the platform on which our authors can stand and that gives us much more editorial freedom to find authors that may not have platforms or may not even be able to speak English or who may mm. not even be able to travel here as a way of being able to publish them with some energy and some notice mm. if they can stand on the Harper via platform and to that end, very controversially, we've decided that all our galleys will look the same and they're just plain with black, or black line around them, a little bit like a Chanel perfume bottle <laughs> um but then when you open the book you you will there'll be a photograph of the book jacket of the book inside the cover too which I think is important because then the idea is that when you see these beautiful black and white galleys come through that they'll think oh well this is a at least it'll be an interesting book so it's that it's really the punchline to that old joke what's black and white and red all over? Well, the answer is
0: now a Hapavia book. I love that. Yes. No longer just a nun falling down a flight of stairs. Exactly, exactly. So that's what we're doing by
1: taking one language and putting it into English, but we're also not, it, uh, we're working in the other direction too with Spanish language. And we're, we're, we're um, publishing originally in Spanish as well, and we've got a book club now with People Espanol, which has a seven, circulation of seven million copies. And I'm sure many of uh, the listeners today will probably stock People Espanol in the library. And we've started it this month with with a wonderful novel called Record Ame, which is set in Latin America, and it's a historical novel. And uh, Armando Correa, who's also a novelist, but in this context is the editor of People Español, and our partner in this endeavor, has done a long interview with him. Mm-hmm. And that's something to, we're trying to build support systems for the readers and for the books as well, and not just be madly translating things. No, I think
0: that that's great. I mean, and that that's... Uh... A, a huge boon for our list, yeah. I think, and for readers. I mean, for librarians, for, for patrons, um, to have that available is really wonderful. So that's that was exciting news to have that there. And that gives us the opportunity with books like The
1: Book of Rosie, mm-hmm. which is a woman from Guatemala who is kind of terrorized and her husband is murdered by the gangs there. She takes her two boys whose lives are threatened walks through Mexico to get to the border with the US only to have her children taken away and for her to be put in detention and then she's told to told that she can get her, her children if she appears in a court in New York City within five days and that she has no way of getting herself out of the prison or getting herself across the country except there are these group of women in the United States who uh, support, who are there to help and care for the women who have been detained and whose children have been taken away from them. And they post her bail and make it possible by, by having a kind of a a, a, a caravan taking, uh, taking her from one place to another to another to eventually get to New York City where she can appear in court and reclaim her sons. And that we're publishing both in Spanish and in English. Because I think it's a really interesting story for many Spanish readers, and a wonderful. Um, we're doing them simultaneously with the hope of having bilingual events in libraries and bilingual events in bookstores. Because mm-hmm. I think it's really, if we are, if we are places where people can congregate around the written word, then it should be people from all different languages and all different, all different kind of strata. And it, it's an opportunity to make libraries a safe place for people who may not have the immigration status that is needed to be more public.
0: Yes, yes. I think uh, that is such a, a powerful book and timely and um, I think we were all pretty blown away when that title was presented yeah. to us at launch. I mean, the editor could barely get through that presentation. Yes. It was yeah. so, so powerful and heartbreaking. and that is uh, one example of what you know multiply that by you know endless numbers of people who are going through the same thing but to have that illustrated in this book uh and to have it available uh in both languages is yeah. really so so wonderful and
1: and one thing i should just mention about harper via
0: better plot but, it, but it, i thought of it because of the
1: book of rosie is that we're also providing information of where people people co- tend to live in the united states that come from specific backgrounds so for example in the iranian population have mostly settled in in new york and in and in los angeles but the norwegians have more settled in the in the north more the north the milwaukee in those places and um we also have a map for the different people where the immigrants from south america are Living.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that is, that is pretty uh, key because there is diversity everywhere and, uh, and in, our, in our world and in this publishing program and uh, we're, you know, excited to work on these books and to have these offerings and to get these into the hands of librarians and ultimately patrons uh, all over uh, the, 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 the world, the United States and beyond. So um, thank you for bringing the world to us through Harper One and through this amazing publishing program. It's our pleasure.
1: And, you know, I'm very excited to be able to be, to play a small part in this continuum
0: in the quest to be a good publishing ancestor. <laughs> I love that. I love the ancestry. I think that that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. What a, you know, such forethought to think what will live on in the shelves, right? What's yes, going to live exactly. on in those shelves? I mean, so much isn't going to and doesn't really need to. Right. But there are right. books that need to live on. And I love that you're thinking that way. I, you paid attention to your sticker, to your pants. Yes, yeah, yes. What does well, it say again? What is uh, it?
1: it says, thinking seemed to work for her. I love right. that so, so much. Well, thank thinking. you very much for inviting me, and I really am
0: here to be of service in any way I can. Thank you, Judith. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Library Love Fest podcast. For more information on this week's episode, go to librarylovefest.com. Enjoying the show? We would love to hear what you think. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Library LoveFest and on Instagram at Harper Library. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and share the show with a friend. Lastly, if you enjoy our show, we bet you'll enjoy all of the other podcasts from HarperCollins Publishers. Find a list of shows at harpercollins.com forward slash podcast. See you next week.